Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. again. Good for you. Ah, wow. That guy's attentive. Or that girl. Good. What an example for us. Father in heaven, Lord, again, we ask you to bless us Open the eyes of our heart and help us, the Lord, to see the truth from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 48, if you fall in from the, from your, from the word of God, the Bible, the Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? Why are they answering Jesus with such words. Besides, Jesus' pronouncement of them, of being the children of the devil, their father the devil, what I see in this portion of scripture is that the word of God is in the center of this dialogue that brings this outrage from the Jewish religious establishment. One, they are deaf to the word of God. They are deaf because they do not belong to God. Jesus told them that. And if anyone keeps my word, Jesus said, they will never see death. Imagine the impact of that statement with all the rituals, the ceremonies, the feast, the ceremonial activities that was part of these people that Jesus is speaking to. Imagine how they feel. How do you feel if someone said to you, you do not belong? How would you feel if someone said to you, you don't know God, even though you come to church, listen to messages, you take part in the ministry. How would you feel? Well, imagine yourself in these religious leaders and the pilgrims when Jesus said that to them. With such pronouncements, the religious Jews lashed out by resorting to discredit Jesus. At times when Jesus faced off with his opponents, he didn't bother committing himself to answer their question directly, but answer their question in a way that will help them to understand the deep and profound thing of God and his word. Confrontation. 
life, you cannot change what you're not willing to confront. At the same time, you will never get to the end of your journey if you stop to shy a stone at every dog that barks at you. Winston Churchill, I quote. Isaiah 7.9 says, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. God calls on His servants to take a stand. Jeremiah was one of them. God said to Jeremiah, Get yourself ready, Jeremiah. Stand up and say to them, Whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. When God calls, we have to go. When God calls, we have to take a stand. It might cost, but we have to. When God calls, we don't go alone. He enables us. When it comes to the Word of God, Jesus did not back down from His religious opponents who doubt and discredit Him. You throw the first slide on the screen, please. Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? Another way of saying it in their abusive way, you Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? Calling a Jew a Samaritan was an insult at the highest level based on an intermarriage between a pagan and a Jew. The Word of God teaches that Jesus was no respecter of racial barriers. He first revealed himself as the Messiah to the Samaritan woman at the well. He used a Samaritan to illustrate what a good neighbor looks like. So by using this ethnic slur, calling him a Samaritan, were in effect labeling him as a half-breed and a false teacher because he did not agree how they interpret the religious laws and have pilgrims in bondage. And Jesus came to set them free. The Samaritans did not follow either the Jewish religious traditions to the T. Now in their anger, the Jews took their blasphemous accusation one step further. Claiming that Jesus also possessed by a demon. This was not the first time they had made such outrageous allegations about him. They accuse him being possessed by Beelzebul and that he cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. 
They were on his back all the time when we follow Scripture. To which Jesus responded in Mark 3, 23, 29, How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Isn't that what happens when there's division in a house? It becomes a shelter, not a home anymore. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. To say that someone is demon-possessed is to say that person is insane. Since demon-possessed people often acted irrationally. If Jesus was insane, he was insane only in the sense by taking up the interest of his heavenly father. And he had that drive. And he took a stand for his father. In verse 49, Jesus replied to their accusation. I do not have a demon. In fact, the opposite is the truth. I honor my father and you dishonor me. By dishonoring Jesus, the Jews were actually dishonoring the very God whom they claimed as their father. Now earlier, Jesus told them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have not come on my own initiative, but he sent me. In other words, I'm not seeking my own glory as you are accusing me of. And Jesus made it very clear back in chapter 5, verse 23. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent me. In verse 50, he says, Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it. And he is the judge. Now church, unlike his opponents who exalted themselves, Jesus did not seek his own glory. Why? Because he had that in heaven before coming to earth when he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to bear the sins of many to save people from their sins. Now Jesus moved a little further and he goes a little deeper. There is one who seeks glory and he is the judge of what I'm saying to you. And then comes the bombshell in verse 51. Again, the word is at the center of their outrage. Truly, truly means something we ought to note. Notable importance. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, you will never see death. The Lord is saying that those who believe what he's saying and keep them will be delivered from eternal death and shall never suffer the misery of hell. How does this verse works out when it comes to saving faith? Well, we can touch on it a bit here. There's much more. Jesus speaking in verse 31, if you go back, to those who profess faith in verse 30. If you hold to my teaching, that is the word of God, you are really my disciples. Now upon saying this, truly, truly, I say unto you, if anyone keeps my word, they will never see death. To put that in biblical perspective, in regards to salvation, Jesus is saying eternal life results from being obedient to His Word, God's Word. By not honoring Jesus is to doubt and discredit Him of who He is and the Word He brings. Now the Jews were now more convinced, justifying their doubt than ever, that Jesus was mad when he said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. And they cried out in verse 52, Now we know you are demon-possessed. Now we know. We got you. You never get Jesus, okay? Nobody get Jesus. And Jesus is going to lead them down and allow them to go down this track, and he's going to slam them. Now we know you are demon-possessed. In a literal sense, you have a demon, Jesus. They exclaimed, Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever keeps your word will never taste death. They are crafty. They are crafty. No wonder Jesus called them children of the devil. And their father is the devil. They are twisting what Jesus said, if you notice that. They are twisting Jesus' word. Just like what the devil did in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Crafty. Jesus did not say people who believe in him will never taste death. He says we'll never see death. It's a difference. Talking about eternal death. As evil people do, they twist the argument into the direction to get Jesus. There are many got you questions that they went after Jesus with. But Jesus will take them on with anything they bring up. He is the word of God. He is the truth. 
He's going to take them on. So no matter how they twist things and try to disguise in their tactics, Jesus will bring them and show them how crafty they are. Slide 2. Verse 53. Let me ask you something, you Samaritan devil. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died. And so did the prophets. Neither the revered patriarchs nor the prophets had the power to defeat death. So what's this you're telling us that if anyone keeps your word, they will not taste death? They keep that word taste. How can you reconcile this, Jesus? And before you try to answer, who do you make yourself out to be? And back up in verse 25, they ask in a hostile way, who are you? Their tone was abusive. They see it as an outlandish claim Jesus is making. But Jesus was speaking about not seeing eternal death, not tasting physical death. In verse 54, the Jews thought that Jesus was seeking to attract attention to himself. And Jesus reminded them that this was not the case. He was not seeking his own glory. He was secure in the knowledge that the Father glorifies him. Jesus is saying, my claims are not those of a demon, but divine claims. And speaking as the Son of Man, identifying himself as man, it is my Father who glorifies me. He is our God. And you have not known him. And I'm here to help you to know him. But I know him because I am he. Fast forwarding, I am in his presence. Jesus telling them. And we move on to verse 55. The fact is, despite their outward pretense of knowing God, they did not know him. That is why they are not hearing his word, much less keeping his word. That's what's going on. They are children of Satan, yet they were speaking with one standing before them who did know God, the Father, who is equal with him. They wanted Jesus to deny his claims of equality with the Father, but he said if, if he did that, that he would be a liar like them who pretended to know God, but in reality, they don't know God. Who is a liar? 1 John 2.22 It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, and that, and that is what they were doing. Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father, the Son, as the Christ. The Messiah. All along they were playing with that. Is he the Christ? Is he the Messiah? Jesus did not back down of his claim because he knew the Father in eternal oneness. 
which became an issue for the religious power that be to sort ways to murder him. Now the delusion was that they were God's children and that Jesus is in the league of the devil. That's how they're looking at it. Oh, they're, they're in that, you know, God bracket. But Jesus, this devil, he's with the devil group. Side, slide three. Good. I know the Father, Jesus affirmed. And if I say to you, I do not know him, I'll be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I'm keeping his word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence. That is huge. Jesus is saying something to them there, profound and deep. Are they going to pick it up? We'll see. I have seen in the Father's presence, I am telling you, and you are doing what you've heard from your father, the devil. What Jesus is telling them is that there are a bunch of liars who claim to know God when in fact they didn't know him. They're just pretending. And coming up with these crafty circular questions to avoid the truth. You know this I've been in contact and interaction with many who reject Jesus Christ, who reject Christianity. And this is the same argument they come with. Circular arguments. It does happen. In verse 56, once again, Jesus told his opponents, contrasting their behavior with that of their patriarch, proving that they were not Abraham's spiritual children, Jesus told them, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Now I believe what Jesus is getting to here, and we know that Abraham saw in his son Isaac, you know the Moriah incident when he, go, when he went to sacrifice his son Isaac? Have that playing in here. Abraham saw in his son Isaac the beginning of God's fulfillment of his covenant with Abraham, which will culminate the coming of the Messiah. For, that's right, all people on the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. They want, they want to murder the very one in whose coming Abraham was rejoicing. The truth is Abraham and Abraham's spiritual children rested in the coming of Christ, the Messiah. Paul explained this in Romans 4.16. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on the grace and be guaranteed to all his offsprings. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares in the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Here is it, church. When they were arguing about Abraham and who is Abraham. Now in verse 57, continuing their inability to understand divine truth, 
They responded, You are not 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? They got a point on the horizontal level, but not vertical. You are not 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? And then comes the bombshell again, which they would not have wanted to hear. As if Jesus is telling them, you have a problem with me being the bread of life, the light of the world, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. Let me see how you're going to handle and take this one. Before Abraham was, I am. Take it. Let me see how you're going to handle that one now. And now they're ready to explode. Jesus did not say before Abraham was, I was. But before Abraham was, I am. He takes ownership of God the Father. A claim of full deity. Jesus took on the sacred name of God. He existed before Abraham. He's timeless. There was never a time when he came into being or when he did not exist. He's the very nature of God. When he said, before Abraham was, I am. The same word used in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. I'm not becoming someone. I was never someone. I'm always existent. I am beyond. I'm other. I'm transcendence. Period. Take that, religious leaders. Let me see what you're going to do with that now. You fail to ac accept me as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the Son of God. How are you going to handle the I am? What Jesus is saying is that he has dwelt with God the Father from all eternity in oneness. That's what's going on. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and you are dishonoring me just because I'm being found in the appearance of a man. That's what they're doing. Jesus said, I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there's one who seeks it, and he's the judge of the things I'm telling you. Slide six. In the face of irrefutable evidence, they were in defiance, unwilling to accept that God in human flesh was standing in their midst. They would not have him reign over them. They would not. No wonder Jesus called them children of the devil. And their father is the devil. Jesus go all the way with them still. 
Jesus was incapable of committing blasphemy. And all his claims are absolutely true. And the religious leaders not willing to accept the truth. Slide 7. Response. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick under her wings. And you were not willing. No hope. They weren't willing. And then in verse 59, in response, their hatred flamed into violence, infuriated by what they perceived as blasphemy, picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds, for his time has not yet come. Which ends this ongoing dialogue for a while between Jesus and the doomed religious leaders. Looking at this story and this confrontation, what are there we can learn from? What can we learn from this confrontation between Jesus and the Jewish religious leaders and even the religious people? <clears throat> Jesus stands up for the word of God. Will you? Next slide. How will it end for those who reject Jesus? Who discredit Jesus? Who distrust him? Who defy him? Unless you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ... The Savior of this world, you will die in your sins for all eternity, never to enter the kingdom, but eternal damnation. But if the Son sets you free and you put your heart there, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. If God is your Heavenly Father and Jesus is your Savior, then heaven is your home away from this fallen world. Slide 9. Jesus said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the adulterers, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You know, when you go through the gospel and, and, and look at Jesus' teaching, he talks more about hell more than heaven. And those who receive him and accept him in faith, this is what he offers. There's that new kingdom in Revelation 21 coming. Church, we have 66 books containing the word of God. Let's adhere to this treasure 
of infinite worth. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, uh, we do thank you for your word. We, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will continue to lead and guide us for those of us who believe to take a stand for your word. And Father, we pray for those who are not believers, who have issues with Jesus, who he is, and who he claimed to be. They will really consider Jesus' words because God loves you and he sent his son to die for you on the cross. And he resurrected to prove he's correct and he's true. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.